Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, Film Geeks. So I watched You People on Netflix about a week or so ago, and I just want to know what Netflix was thinking. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. I am your host. My name is Savannah. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. And today we are talking about You People, the Netflix film that dropped last month stars Jonah Hill Eddie Murphy, Lauren London, Nia Long, Julia Louise-Dreyfus, directed by Kenya Barris. Now, if you were on social media around that time, you probably saw a little bit of the mixed response about this movie. So this is about a man named Ezra, played by Jonah Hill. He's a white guy. He's Jewish. And he meets a woman named Amira, who is Black and Nation of Islam Muslim. And it's kind of by happenstance. He accidentally mistakes her for an Uber driver. Turns out that her car and her face are very similar to what he's waiting for. But this sparks kind of a relationship between the two of them. They have a lot in common. They have similar interests, similar fashion sense. Um, The way they see the world is very similar. The biggest difference between them are skin tone and religion. And, you know, they have a cute relationship. It, it sort of. And then it gets to the point where they meet the parents and that's when the entire thing turns into a cluster. Now, social media responses to this were just off the wall. You had some people who were like, oh, it's it's cute. I liked it. It was funny. But m- the biggest response from people was this is racist and offensive who greenlit this. Now, I don't know if you saw uh, any episodes of Velma from HBO Max a couple weeks ago. I did a little episode about that. And that was just Okay, that was. So if you don't know what that is, that is the Mindy Kaling animated project, Reimagining of Mystery Inc. from the perspective of Velma. And it's just racist as all get out. I just want to have a sit down conversation with the executives at Netflix and HBO Max and just ask the question, what is, how do you see us? And by us, I mean the audience, those whom you hope to get something from our money, our attention, our views, uh, you know, 
our mentions on our social media, like the audience, what do you think of us? What, what do you think we are looking for in terms of entertainment? What do you think we find entertaining? Because watching you people, it was like they went on, it was like Kenya Barris and Jonah Hill who wrote the screenplay for this, went on to TikTok and did research. It was like they found the most chronically online takes about race and religion and all of that jazz and decided, hey, this seems to be what's popping. Let's turn it into a movie. I just want to know where they got the idea that we, the John Q public, would find blatant racism entertaining. I, I just, I want to know. I want to know. I just, I have so many questions. So this movie was just blatantly racist for no good reason. It portrayed everyone in the worst possible light. I think it was trying to make light. It was trying to do something that comedians have been doing for however many decades, taking some of the stereotypical campy, funny things about us, our biggest differences and making a joke out of it. And it's been done before, but it's been done in such a way that we can all just sit and laugh and take the joke. Even though we've heard these stereotypes before, even though they can be a little bit offensive, the th- fact is a lot of them are funny. They're, it's not the first time that we have seen television shows or movies that highlight the differences between black and white people and made it funny. You had Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Portier. You had the remake with Bernie Mac, Guess Who, with Ashton Kutcher. You had um, The Jeffersons and All in the Family. That was groundbreaking at that time. You know, they really took some of the, the worst parts of us and, and made it into comedy. And if you've ever heard, I can never, Carol, I can never remember his full name, but the lead actor from On the Family talk about it. He, he says, you know, we're making fun of the bigots because his character is a huge bigot, racist, but we love Archie Bunker. We love him. And But that was the whole point of his character was to kind of highlight the ignorance, to highlight kind of the worst and give us an avenue to talk about it, to laugh at it, and to move forward. That's what a lot of that comedy does. When it highlights these huge differences between us, it's supposed to remind us in a way that we're really not that different, but we are different in a way that is beautiful. This does not do that. You people did not do that at all. They tried. I think that might have been the goal. I I don't know what the goal was, but there was no beauty in this. They took, honestly, the worst perspectives that somebody could have about another human being and turn it into a character. So you have Julia Louise Dreyfus, who plays Ezra's mom, Jewish woman, and, you know, she meets Amira and she just loves Amira. She thinks she's beautiful and wonderful, but she's very cognizant of the fact that Amira is different and she might feel a little out of her element being in a house full of other white people. So she goes out of her way to make her feel welcomed. And she does this by trying to say the right things, trying to do the right things. Um, Your typical white ally on TikTok, people who just kind of step out of bounds, but don't realize they're stepping out of bounds. She perceives a normal situation. She thinks, oh, they're being racist against Amira and tries to step up on her behalf. She tries to learn new lingo and new words and to try to communicate with her, not realizing that she's no different than her son. And, you know, tries to educate her on black hair and the proper terminology. She goes out of her way in the most obnoxious and even the most insensitive way possible to connect with this woman who is very different from her and to make her feel welcomed into her home. You know, just goes out of her way. 
But then you have Eddie Murphy, who plays Amira's father, you know, this, you know, very nation of Islam kind of man. I think, I don't think I've ever actually met, I've met black Muslims before. I don't think I've ever met a nation of Islam man before, but I think we all have kind of this stereotype in our heads of what this person must be like. That's what Eddie Murphy was. He was the, um, that's the stereotype that I think many of us have in our heads of what a black nation of Islam man is like just callous, angry, bitter, racist, um, entitled, you know, just walks this line between I'm better than everyone else. I'm better than this white boy, but I'm a victim. Therefore, I think that's kind of the negative image that a lot of people have about men within that religion. I'm not sitting here saying that's true. Again, I've never actually met a man who's nation of Islam, but that's a stereotype a lot of people carry with that when they hear that. And Kenya Barris decided we're going to turn that into a character. Now, but the, the thing is, we've seen, you know, directors and writers take stereotypes and turn them into a, into characters and then it works and it's funny because we recognize the joke. It makes sense. We know that this is just kind of an exaggeration of something slightly true, but that's not it. It's almost like Kenya Barris is saying, this is the truth. This is how we are because, you know, Eddie Murphy's not just, you know, representing black Muslim men. He's representing black people in general. This whole movie gives the idea that white people are just weak and subservient and uh, ignorant and insensitive that, you know, fake and that black people are hateful, ignorant, bigots, racist. It's it's like he missed. He completely missed. And I just want to have a conversation with Netflix and HBO Max and ask, how? How did you where? Who, what, when, where, and why? Like, where did you get the impression that general American audiences would find blatant racism? entertainment. But I can't blame them either way because social media will give you the impression that being racist against white people is just okay. And some people are going to go into a comment section somewhere and say, you can't be racist against white people. Yes, the hell you can. Don't come at me with that BS. Yes, you absolutely can be racist against white people. And yes, black people can be racist. Some of the most racist individuals I've ever met in my life are brown like me. Some of the most vile, hateful things I've ever heard about another human being regarding someone's skin color came from someone who was brown like me. I don't want to hear it. Anyone can be racist. Don't come at me with that power plus prejudice crap. I live in a city run by black people. Talk to me again about how black people can't have power. But that's where we are right now in the society where racism against anyone who is darker than the shade of caramel, it's bad, but it's okay to be racist and hateful and bigoted and prejudiced and even marginalized, because we're getting there, marginalized people who are very fair-skinned of some kind, even if they're like biracial black people, light-skinned black people, white people, that it's okay to treat them like they're the other. But that's on social media, though. That is very heavy on different parts of TikTok and even Twitter, where stuff like that is just normal. 
But in everyday, normal, regular life, people don't think like that. They don't look at other black people aren't looking at other white people like that. They're not looking at other white people in fear and feeling absolutely uncomfortable. They're not thinking like that. Everyday normal white people aren't looking at black people thinking, well, how can I relate to this individual? Let's be real here. Most white people have no sense of racial identity. Identity. They don't care. They care. They don't care about your skin color as much as you think they do. But that's just everybody in general. People don't care about race as much as you think you do, whether they're black, white, or whatever. But Hollywood seems to think that this is top tier entertainment. Make it make sense to me because I'm confused. Now, who exactly is Kenya Barris, the writer and director behind this movie? Looking at his filmography, I am not terribly familiar with his work on a personal level, except for like one or two things. He was one of the writers for Girlfriends. I used to watch that show with my mom all the time when it came on in the early 2000s. He's one of the creators for America's Next Top Model. As far as television shows go, he was a creator. He is the creator of Blackish, Grownish, and Mixedish. He also did some writing for those shows, um, directing for Blackish and producing Black AF, which is also on Netflix. So it looks like the last few years he's done a lot of work with Netflix, which makes sense as to why he's got this movie with them. So Black AF, We the People. So it's starting to make sense how this even got greenlit in the first place. He's done a lot of work in the same kind of vein. So they I, I don't know I guess well we'll figure we can do this too why not in terms of movies one of his first movie one of the first movies he was um involved with was Barbershop the Next Cut which I believe is the third one I've only seen the first and second he also did Girls Trip never saw it Coming to America the sequel that came out what two years ago 2021 that it was on I think it was on Amazon Prime I never watched it I was not interested. I really loved the first one. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to ruin this with the sequel. From what I heard from other people, the um, reviews and the the thoughts on it were very mixed. Some people really liked it. Some people thought it was, I think the word I saw the most was cringy. In terms of what critics thought, um, a lot of them said what I had to say about you people and that it looked like he just took a lot of jargon and a lot of dialogue from social media and just threw it in. And it was just kind of a weird context. The Cheaper by the Dozen remake film, he did that one as well. I believe that's on Disney+. Plus. Then you have you people. He is doing a remake of White Men Can't Jump. I believe that came out, the original came out in like 1992. And that'll be with Jack Harlow. And then, I don't know if you've heard, but they're coming out with another Wizard of Oz. Which, if he is behind you people, and he's doing a remake of White Men Can't Jump, I can only imagine what that's going to be like with respect to his work on you people. I am very nervous about the Wizard of Oz. Now we have the we've had many Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Movies or sequels, what have you. Um, remakes, prequels. You have uh, Wicked, which is, I actually got to see that for the first time. I think it was like 2021. I finally got to see Wicked. Lovely, if you've never seen it. Um, the movie that came out with James Franco, uh, Mila Kunis, forget what it's called. Uh, the Great and Powerful Oz, Oz, The Great and Powerful. That came out, um, a movie with Fariza Balk that came out in the late 80s, Return to Oz. Actually, that's one of my favorites. And you have the original from like 1938, 39 with Judy Garland. And then you have The Wiz with Diana Ross, Michael Jackson. Classic, beautiful, lovely, so much fun. I don't understand why we're doing a new Wizard of Oz. It's not necessary. We don't need it. I think we have enough classic variety with respect to the Wizard of Oz. I don't think you can remake something like that. I don't know how you can make it. I don't get it. Like, why would you do that? But he's coming out with a new Wizard of Oz. So this is a man who obviously views being black a certain way and he views black people a certain way. He views white people a certain way. He has a very linear view on racism as evidenced by the work that he's done because even though a lot of this is fiction, it's all autobiographical to an extent it's art. And when you do art of any kind, you're always going to leave a piece of yourself in the work. It's, it's, it's going to happen. There's no avoiding it. And you can see a bit of his mindset, the way he thinks and his mentality and the way he views the world and people who are different from him and the way he do views cultures that he doesn't understand in the movie, You People. So my overall feelings about the movie, You People, it's just disappointing that we've gotten to this point where we're no longer fighting racism. We're just creating new ways to be racist. We're just finding ways to make racism acceptable. Because that's all this movie is. Because you have Julia Dreyfus, Julia Louise Dreyfus's character, who plays Ezra's mom, who's trying her hardest to make 
you know, Amira comfortable. She is, is as sensitive and oftentimes unintentionally racist as she's being. She is the sweetheart of the movie. And at the very end, Amira just goes off on her for no reason, even though she was the most welcoming parent out of all of them. She was the one who literally went out of her way to make sure Amira, now, did she go about it the right way? Of course not. But she did the best she could with what she knew how. And for her to go off on her the way that she did and call her names the way she did. And then when she got upset and she started crying, Amira came out with the oh, white people tears, white women tears. Really? We, really? Really? That's where we are. Is that who we are as a melanated people? That is how we treat people who are white. Is that where that how that where we've gone? We're never going to get past this. We're never going to get to a point where color doesn't matter. When we're just creating new ways for some people, new ways to justify hatred and bigotry and prejudice. And then you have Eddie Murphy's character, who is just all kinds of awful. He's not just racist. He's anti-Semitic. I mean, I've, I've never in my life, I don't know. How Kenya Barris really goes out of his way to try to make Farrakhan seem positive. Really? Really? At, at a Jewish family, he knows this, this family is Jewish. He knows where he's stepping into. And he decides he wants to wear this kind of traditional hat that he got from Louis Farrakhan, who is anti-Semitic to the nth degree. We know this. Everyone knows this. This Jewish family knows that. And he says it so proudly, like he got this thing from Farrakhan. He gave it to him personally. And then we go to the dinner table and... It's the typical social media debate of which is worse, the Holocaust or slavery? Really? And he never apologizes. There's no character arc. There's never a point where he realizes just how awful and, and awful he's been. None of everyone else gets some kind of character arc, but the black characters, you know, Ezra, you know, comes to his senses a little bit and just realizes how much of a better man he needs to be. Um, Ezra's mom comes to realize that, you know what, she went about things the wrong way and she needs to be a better person and, you know, love Mira for who she is and not treat her like a black woman who's dating her white son. Like there's, there are these moments where she realize they come to their senses. They have a good character arc that never happens for Eddie Murphy. There's never any reprimand for his racist intolerance. Never. And it's so sad. And it's so disappointing that now we have people like Kenya Barris who are being given a platform to make black racism entertainment. It's, um, why? What do we need to do? And they wonder why people aren't going to movies. And they wonder why the industry is dying. They're wondering why they can't keep up with the box office. They're wondering why the theaters are slowly going out of business. Steven Spielberg recently um, was at a luncheon, I believe, for the Oscars and ran into Tom Cruise. Now, they've worked together once or twice. The only movie I can think of off the top of my head they worked on together was War of the Worlds. And something he said to... Tom Cruise, he told him that he saved the industry. He saved Hollywood. Why? Because of Top Gun. What is, if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, it's, 
It's what people are looking for in terms of films and entertainment and the theater experience. That 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 simple quality. People when they go to the mu- go to the movies or when they sit down in their living room and they log into Netflix, they're not looking for a sermon. They're looking for a story. Steven Spielberg thanked Tom Cruise for going back to the basics of storytelling and filmmaking and why people love the cinema, why people love going to the movies, why people love watching movies. Hollywood has lost its way. They've forgotten. They're too tapped into social media. They seem to think that what's happening on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram, these crazy mindsets that are so loud, they're louder than everything else. For a while on TikTok, this was the, the dominant narrative. Things are starting to switch and turn a little bit and it's starting to balance out. But for a while, this was the dominant narrative. What Kenya Bears is preaching? This, that white people are evil, black people are victims, and it's okay for black people to be hateful and prejudiced because of whatever happened in the past. That was the dominant narrative. That's what, you know, was being pushed. But things are shifting a little bit. Things are starting to change. And these these voices that were once silenced are starting to become louder. So it was never so much that these were the popular opinions, but these were the opinions that were given the biggest platform. And I think Hollywood got it twisted a little bit and seemed to think, well, because their platform is bigger, that must be what everyone wants. No, I don't. It's like they're not learning. Even just a hint of something being woke and and forced and pushed gets rejected by audiences. Nobody cares about gay people kissing in movies or in television shows. Nobody really cares that much about homosexuality in television shows. But the the suggestion that we are going to push a gay kiss in an animated film, Lightyear tanked. People don't care. They really don't. It doesn't bother. I mean, how many television shows and movies have we had over the years of gay couples? And all that representation, so many, but there's a huge difference between you just kind of playing it out in a human kind of normal way where it's just normal and then trying to force it and not just force it, but trying to force people to feel a certain way, to think a certain way, trying to antagonize people with a kiss. People are tired. And I'm waiting for Hollywood to figure that out. I'm waiting for Netflix to figure it out, that people are tired. Nobody liked this damn movie. It had funny moments. It had potential. And I think that was the most frustrating part for me is that there was so much potential, but it was just too cringy and too racist and too vile for its own good. I, y'all know I love going to the movies. I love filmmaking. I love the process. I love this medium of art and storytelling. I love it, but I'm over it. I'm sick of Hollywood not listening. I'm sick of Hollywood not paying attention. Okay, your low box office numbers, it's 2023. You can't blame it on the pandemic anymore. Thank you for listening to me rant and rave a little bit about you people. If you've seen the movie, let me know what you thought. Um, Find a comment section either on Instagram or on YouTube and let me know what you thought if you didn't like it if you liked it and you disagree with everything i just said let me know i want to hear it you're not going to hurt my feelings speak your mind find a comment section youtube instagram i want to hear from you 
I think part of this whole why this movie even exists, I think it's all about representation, wanting repre- wanting more Black faces on the screen, so to speak. But I think we've kind of strayed from what representation actually is because it's not so much about quantity, making sure we have more than enough Black faces on the screen, even when it doesn't make sense in a, you know, a believable way but making sure that we're telling the truth that when we are putting black people on screen that we're portraying black people as they are actual representation where we're representing them fairly and truthfully that's how representation in film started but I think we've strayed from that because I think we've gotten to the point where we are portraying people as they are but now we want to make sure we have more than enough faces to fill the screen. And it starts to distort that image. And representation is no longer representation. But I'm going to talk a lot about that in a later episode. So stay tuned for that one. So what is coming up? Goodness. So this week, this past week was a little wonky with Mardi Gras. By the time y'all hear this, Mardi Gras should be done. And then it's back to our normal movie watching schedule. Jesus Revolution on the 22nd is when I will watch it. It comes out on the 23rd. I think, I think, I think, I think Creed comes out the week after. Uh, I think a day or so before I watch Jesus Revolution, I'm going to watch Emily. Um, Once I watch Emily, I'll be able to get my ticket for Creed. Uh, I have AMC A-list, so I'm only able to... um, uh, reserve up to three tickets at a time and I've already reserved my t- tickets for Emily, Jesus Revolution, and Scream 6. Oh, I can't wait. Can you hear it in my voice? I am excited. Oh, I can't wait for Scream 6. I love Scream. Crazy. This this franchise has been around since, God, what? Middle school for me? Maybe a little before that? And I, I am well into adulthood and it's still here with me and it makes me very happy. And I, I think they're doing Wes Craven proud. So this will be the second film they do without him. Uh, Scream 5 was the first. And I thought they did such a wonderful job staying consistent with who he was and his vision for that series. And I can't wait to see what they do with this one. I think this is the first time they really step outside of their comfort zone with respect to Scream and start to broaden a little bit. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. And once I see it, you'll get a review on that. So be on the lookout for the talk I'm going to be giving concerning representation and what that's all about. It's, it's kind of a piece of what I'm planning. Um, a review of Emily, Jesus Revolution, Creed, once I get the ticket, and then Scream 6. That's what's coming up. There may be more. You never know. It's Oscar season. There's a lot of movies I'm still hoping to see. All Quiet on the Western Front. I, I just need to sit still and watch that one. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your support means the absolute world to me. And I will see you next time. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.